This FYFT episode has been brought to you by Patch Junkie. Patch Junkie is a shop out of Delaware that sells uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military-style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell other patch-related stuff like patch mats and patch bags to put your patches to. So if you go onto their website, enter the code SALUMIST for 10% off of your order. Once again, the promo code is SALUMIST, S-A-L-U-M-I-S-T, to get 10% off. And that website is www.patchjunkieshop.com. Patch Junkie offers high quality items and they really take care of their customers. They hand pack all their orders and they thank everyone on each order. Um, They care about the environment. They reduce waste. They do their part to prevent deforestation and they offset their carbon footprint during shipping and support conservation efforts. These guys are all about taking care of the environment and taking care of other people. So please show these guys some love. Go to www.patchjunkieshop.com and enter the code SALUMIS for 10% off of your order. Hey guys, welcome to another FYFT episode of the Salumis podcast. In theater and other performances, Often the main characters or performers are called back on stage to be recognized. At this point, they bow, they give thanks, and it's typically filled with a sense of joy and accomplishment. I'm of the mindset that the journey that is our lives is just a series of onstage or front stage performances. Performances that are meant to keep friends, maintain relationships, or hold status in certain areas. Unfortunately, this isn't sustainable. Eventually, the version of yourself, the true version of yourself, will be called forward to be acknowledged. And for some of us, hitting that self-actualization and realizing that you've merely been performing and haven't been living as who you really are turns into a little bit of a shit show. Parts of our personality or your past often get brought into the light, and it often puts many of us in terrible mental states, often leading to negative or self-destructive behaviors. In this FYFT episode, my hope is to show that before you find your fucking thing, you have to do some digging and uncovering in order to free yourself from yourself to build yourself. It's the hardest thing that many of us will go through, but I'm glad that my guest Megan came on to talk about her journey. It's a story that I believe many people, especially women, share, and I'm beyond glad she was open and willing to share it. So throw on your headphones, get yourself ready, because I'm going to be presenting you with part six of our FYFT, that's Find Your Fucking Thing series, The Curtain Call. Let me make sure that you sound okay on here. Uh, give me a Mike. Say something really quick. Hello, how are you? Yeah, you sound good. Check, check. I'm gonna bring a little bit closer to you. Okay. Since you know how this rolls, just project a little bit towards here. Okay. I can and do then that. should be good. All right, cool. All right, give me one second. Do you need to do anything to prepare? No. Mm-hmm. Tech people be like, hey, bro, you might hear some stuff, man. <laughs> I don't 
so. Yeah. You know. No, I, I don't hide much right. from anybody, so. All right. So I'm going to go straight into it. All right. Yeah, it's totally okay. So you've, you've obviously, you've heard different episodes where I've interviewed people. So you already yes. know what I'm going to ask you. Yes. Yeah. Why are you yeah, here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hmm. I thought maybe I would have the answers uh, <laughs> fresh on the top of my head, but yeah. that makes me nervous. It, uh, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess really just to, I don't know if it's to process my story. Is it to, you know, like, talk about um, where I'm at mm-hmm. looking uh, for my fucking thing? Yeah. I mean, if yeah. you want to go that route um, yeah. and where I'm at in that process out loud stuff yeah. I'm going through in my life. I don't know. I it's, guess so. uh, <laughs> it's, it's weird sometimes being able to, uh, you, you get used to it over time, but going through and the thoughts, like processing the stuff that is going in, in your head and actually saying it, it's so weird. It's unlike, it's not even, you can't even put it on the level of writing it. You know how some people will write their feelings down. Like when you say it, it's so weird because you can't like erase it and be like, no, I don't really think that it comes out and you're like, holy <laughs> shit, did I just say that? Did that really just It's so funny you say it that way. Um, so I was telling you a little bit about the pathway ministry that we have at the church yeah. out at Broadway. And um, so it's recovery based, but when they decided to go, beyond the yeah. recovery curriculum it's kind of, it's just this organic place of, mm-hmm. or th- thing happened where you had the safe space for people to process their shit yeah and yeah. so um one of the things you do is you introduce yourself and yeah. why you got into recovery why mm-hmm. did you even join the ministry at all and that first time when you like say all your yeah. all of the stuff that you're dealing with out loud it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. It is. So, um, that's funny that you said that. Yeah. I mean, it's your, it, we, we say something there's like sitting in yourself versus sitting with yourself. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you sit with yourself, that is what I think where it's like, you're saying these things and you're seeing yourself as an object rather than the subject. And when you see yourself as the object, you start to see things that you don't like, especially yes. when you when you start to talk about <laughs> yes. it. You're like, oh God, I'm kind of a you know, kind of a dick bag or something like that, you know? So you you talked about the recovery ministry, but recovery from what? Um, so that's so funny. Um people people think recovery is for just addicts, right? Like people yeah. who are dealing with, I don't know, pornography or drugs or alcohol. Um, but uh, to be honest, everybody has issues, right? They, they, they yeah. all have stuff they have to de- deal with. Mm-hmm. And um, so like for some people, it's control issues. Mm-hmm. Like one of my recovery sisters, she has come such a, hard, a long way, but she de- deals with wanting to control everything. And yeah. it turns her into this other person yeah. and she recognizes it and wants to deal with it. Yeah. And, but the great thing about this is that it's not for us. It's you put in your spirituality with it. And so it becomes more than just dealing with your stuff. It's also dealing like dealing with how, how does God work in that? And Mm -hmm. what is, what is the spirituality thing? I mean, it's really just trying to find your identity and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out who you are outside of your issues. And so control issues is like one of the big ones for those that that's gotta be tough for people who, who, would struggle with that because 
I would imagine, and I, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I would imagine the goal is to let go of their control and cede it to someone or something else. <laughs> <laughs> Count me out. For that. <laughs> That's a big no for me. Dog. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Um, I do like control, um, but it's it's for a it's for a weird reason. Um, you would think in some in some cases, I. I might have a little bit of like a, I don't want to say savior complex, but it's this thing where it's like, if everything absolutely shits the bed, I don't find anyone else capable with taking the L as good as I think that I'd be able to take the L. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not so much like I would rather people be blaming me than blaming other people. And it's not because it's like, oh, put it on me. It's just that I just think other people kind of crumble when shit hits the fan. And I'm kind of like. All right. It blew up. I'm not dead. Yeah. And and I'm okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I am with it. But I definitely know that it's a problem. Uh, I don't want to interview my wife on here because (laughs) she'll be like, this son of a bitch thinks he can run everything. But uh, it's a it's it's a delicate balance, though. I've I've kind of been like that my entire life. Uh, But I think that also comes from just how I was raised. And so my question to you is, how were you raised? What's your background like to lead to where you are right here sitting with me talking about finding your your fucking thing? Okay. Um, so I've dug into like my childhood and how I was raised. Yeah. And um, my parents weren't perfect, but they were hardworking yeah. to the point that they had multiple jobs at different points mm-hmm. to provide for us, to give yeah. us an experience they didn't have as kids. Um us so being... me and my brother. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have a brother who's 13 months younger than me. What? So yeah. So it was like having twins for yeah. my mom and my dad. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it wasn't me and my brother aren't super close. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we had a tendency of being like being very competitive mm-hmm. and it really wasn't in at home, like before school, before being introduced to being, uh, a kid yeah. like in school, we weren't really competitive. We got along, we're close. And the minute we started school, it was like, you all of a sudden had these, this vocabulary of how to just dis- like distinguish the fact that you were different. Ah. And I feel like that's all school was mm-hmm. for both of us. Um, but to, I, I can't put words in his mouth either. So, um, but for me, um, I'm realizing like the vocabulary that mm-hmm. made me different. Um, from everybody else came to mind. Yeah. I all of a sudden had words like, oh, she's chubby. Yeah. She's weird. She likes to read a lot. You know, it's just isn't people that, like to point crazy? out how you're how you're different instead of being yeah. similar. But like she likes to read. Yeah. Like, why? We're in but a like, library, that, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, but I, I'm, I, I look back on my childhood and I don't have anything to complain about. I yeah. mean, it was great. And I think, um, so another reason why I'm here is I'm practicing to share my story. Yeah. And so I'm this able, this is a safe space, right. For me to be able to like work through all that and sure. what I want to say. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I just realized that this, my childhood was as good as it's going to get. I mean, not, it's, it's the shit There's that happened later you, on. Yeah. And so, you know, let's, let's transition over if you're comfortable with it. Like, where does everything, because it sounds like you had a normal childhood. I mean, I'm in 
I was, I, I guess I thought I was competitive, at least with my older sister, not mm-hmm. my younger one, but older just because she always got all the accolades and she was always, you know, smart. But then we were all three athletic and stuff like that. And so, um, we, we kind of competed in, in different weird ways, but it was, it was never like, there was never any sort of malice or anything like that, but there was a certain point in our lives where we all kind of diverged and went into uh, other directions and stuff. So talk about the, the next phase. Okay. You had a good childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, parents worked hard. You sound like every other person out here. So where did things change to bring you to where you are right now? Um, so that was, that's been the hard part is pinpointing where it kind of all went, started going down the shitter for me. Um, and I, the only thing I can think of is really, I mean, high school is when I was trying to figure out who I was and I, um, I don't know if you've heard about the Enneagram stuff, but Enneagram. Oh yeah. 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 So I'm a four. So that just, I'm very all about my emotions. My emotions lead everything. And I was. Guys, she just says she's a, she's a woman. Um, (laughs) Yeah, basically. There you go. (laughs) Uh, No, but I was um, very artistic into like theater, music, art, that stuff. And then so you're very much led by your emotions in those mm. um, areas. And so high school was hard for me. I had a hard time making friends, but everybody knew who I was. I was the nice girl yeah. that was smart and got good grades, was in all the, the plays and musicals. And um, you say like you didn't like that. Like, what did you want to be? <laughs> well, I enjoyed performing. Yeah. But the thing is, is that to perform, you have to be somebody else. And so then it puts you in this weird spot of, well, who are you? Yeah. If you're not in these things, it all was performance based. And so in order to have any type of, I don't know the word for it, um, sway, I guess, if you want to say that Mm -hmm. in any click or anything at school, it was. I had to earn it, like, hmm. which I'm sure if you were to talk to anybody else, they would say like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. But in my head, that that's what it was. Yeah. And I think from it's from that point that I decided to go into music for college. Very subjective, very brutal, hmm. and, um, performing comp- competitive with people that you don't know. Yeah. Um, and earning your way through and earning some type of, um, acceptance. Hmm. And I think that that's where it all goes really crazy Yeah, because it shouldn't be about that. (laughs) Sure. Sure. You know, we, have you heard of, uh, front and backstage behavior? Um, no, I don't think. Okay. So we, we talk about this in our, in just different episodes and it's cause Chris and I both came from the social program at at Western. And so, um, it's, it's, to keep it super simple, your your front stage behavior is who you are when you're in front of people, when you're around them. It's your performance that you put on, the mask that you wear. Backstage is who you are kind of when you're by yourself mm-hmm. or who you who you are inside of your mind when no one else is kind of around. And for a lot of people, that's two very different people. And you obviously can't get any sort of validation from your backstage behavior. So you tend to lean on your front stage behavior. But for many of us, um, it that comes at a cost because 
your brain likes good vibes and you like when people are smiling at you and telling you you're cool or you're talented or you're the shit. Mm -hmm. And when you get so much of that, you kind of let the backstage go away. And uh, it happens to all of us where that backstage comes back and it's like, look, bitch, I've been (laughs) you've been keeping me back the whole time. I'm going to hit you with a bunch of stuff right here. I'm going to bring you down in your 30s. (laughs) So let's I'm I'm assuming that kind of stuff happened. But I think that that happens to everyone. You know, we have a. we have this like crazy moment where we where it just hits us. And we're and if you do the, the shit that I did, you completely just react instead of respond. And uh, my early 20s was like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had been performing for so long and uh, being a certain type of person for everyone. And then I think it was like. <clears throat> It was probably, uh, yeah, definitely early 20s, figuring everything out. And this was our our newest member, Mark. Mm -hmm. That's when I was really young back then. That's who I would go over to him and talk for hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would go work on computers and we would listen to this this one philosopher. His name is Jiddu Krishnamurti. And so we would listen to stuff like that and then talk about it. And I would just be like working my way through my entire brain and my entire life. And I was like, what the hell am I doing? And then I just started reacting. I mean, cutting people out, doing crazy shit. Mm. And it was just like, wow, looking back, I'm, I can only be happy with it. Cause I like where I am now, but like that process of unmasking is fucking dirty. dude. Yes. It yes. was real dirty. It's, brutal. it's real brutal. So was there a certain event or a certain thing where, where that prompted you for your unmasking, where your backstage came forward and led you down whatever road mm-hmm. that you're on. Um, when I had my daughter, my fr- yeah. my oldest. Um, so, um, I had, I had my, my daughter and no one really tells you how hard that is on your body. Yeah. Women like to tell you, they'll come up to you and they'll just give you their horror sto- birth stories. Yeah. Like no one wants to hear that shit. Yeah. Um, and everyone's different. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're getting these horror stories, your first time mom, your body's doing the weirdest shit ever. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know what to do. You've never been through this experience and no one wants to give you any positive supportive yeah. advice. And, um, what would that look like? How would you have wanted that advice to look like? Um, Let's talking about what it's like to have a newborn, oh, like okay. the shitty stuff, but also the good stuff, yeah. like what it's like to bond with a child. Um, but also what are the warning signs to like uh, postpartum depression? Oh. And yeah, like, no one talks things, about that. Shit. No yeah. one talks about that. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. And it's, like, it's OK. Like if you need to be on meds, yeah. it's OK if you don't breastfeed. Yeah. Like and it's, it's weird in this area. It's like there. there's two things that I've noticed and I've and I've talked to just different women about this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. There's almost this like thing of like you're less of a woman if you don't hey, if you don't have a fucking kid mm-hmm. and you're less of a woman if you don't breastfeed, if you don't do all this other stuff. And it's and it doesn't help that like we, there's people like my mom that was like, I breastfed my son and he's big as shit. He's smart. He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's because I breastfed. <laughs> you have so much of that. And there's so much stupid ass mom science that's out there that talks about things. And it's like, truthfully, just don't be an asshole. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, there's a ton of breastfeeding moms that are absolute pieces of crap. And we forget like, we, well, it's very easy to get caught up in that stuff. 
stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to give like mom advice to anyone, you no. know what I'm saying? But it's just the stuff that I notice. It's like we're so consumed with like perfection or something that people don't they don't they don't think about those moments where that mom's like, yeah, my baby's cute, but I want to kill myself. No, <laughs> you know yeah, but no one mean? wants to talk about. Yeah. That. So is that the kind of stuff that you're recovering from or what? Or well, is there more? Yeah, no, there's more to it. Yeah. Um, so I found myself struggling with postpartum depression. I didn't have a word for it. I didn't know what it was, what it was. How old were you? Um, I was. So this was 2015. So I was. I can't do math. 30? Okay, okay, 30. <laughs> Almost 30. Yeah. Um, and I had started a new job with Broadway United Methodist mm-hmm. and um, we had miscarried. Mm. And so, like, I had no idea about putting labels on any of this yeah. or who to go to for help. Um, and I got into the point of suicidal. Like, really? I had... Postpartum or from miscarrying? From postpartum. Yeah. So I've dropped my daughter off at the sitters and it's a long drive to work. Mm. I had it all planned out. I had the note written on my phone. I was going to text it to everybody. I had the tree picked. I mean, like I knew exactly that all my research, I had everything ready. Yeah. And this amazing woman at church, uh, Megan, who is no longer with us, unfortunately, but she... She, for some reason, had she was a nurse mm-hmm. at, at one point and she had re- was recognizing all of it. Like yeah. she was recognizing all the signs and she she just felt led to call me that morning. Mm. And I broke down and I really? told her exactly everything that I had planned out. She made sure I got professional help mm-hmm. and um, got me to somebody who I could get medicine from. I mean, the whole nine yards. But in the process of figuring that shit out, um, repressed stuff mm. from college all of a sudden was coming out. And so I didn't realize your brain could do this, but your brain can make you forget a lot of crazy shit. So I am sitting here going through this and starting meds and I'm having memories of my first, um, like serious relationship that I was going to get married and was engaged. The guy had raped me. Wow. And I had repressed it and I never dealt with it. Really? And so all this starts coming out and they're like, well, we're starting a staff recovery group. And there were other women that were going to be doing it that have child abuse mm-hmm. stuff that they had repressed. I mean, like the whole nine yards, it was stuff that real stuff that pe- women deal with that their brains just completely block it off yep. so you can survive. Mm-hmm. And isn't that crazy thinking about how the brain works? Right. Like it is people people don't realize like how much the brain will objectively cut shit out because it's just, it's just a tool. It is a survival tool for like, even, even in when, when bad stuff is happening, it will notice, well, when, when stuff that's bad that you think is good at the time, like, I think that it, your brain will keep you in those, in those situations because it, it, it always wants homeostasis mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. So if it notices a certain type of stimuli the entire time, whether or not it's bad or good on the outside, if it feels some kind of good thing or some kind of normalcy in the, in a pattern, it's like, no, why would you get out of this situation? If you're in a shitty relationship yeah. or something like that, you yeah. know what I mean? It's so weird breaking stuff like that down to a, to a science and, you know, it, it, it wasn't until like <clears throat> probably when I was having those moments of self-discovery and stuff where I learned that 
that connection between your your brain and your heart and and how hard it is to like break that at sometimes man and because you're, you're man your brain's an asshole dude. It's like, <laughs> there's no other way yeah to like there's no other way to 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 describe it it will always do that which keeps you keeps it functioning mm-hmm. and so if it means repressing something it's like nope gonna just jettison it or put it back somewhere and then when it hits you like when something goes there and really gets your heart your heart's gonna be like hey bro i'm back i got something uh, i got some shit you gotta unpack <laughs> yeah, yeah, right you gotta over deal here. With this. So, yeah, I, I can I can totally see something like that happening. And you had, you had made a comment of of Megan. This is like it's so it's so interesting because when I was at there is the more that and I, and I was talking to your preacher, Adam, about mm-hmm. this, because uh, we always try to have him on uh, different episodes and stuff like that when we can. Um, there is like. If, if you were to play this game of like seven degrees of Megan Davidson, it's <laughs> yeah, like, what right? the fuck? I don't even know this chick. Like, there is no one that has made me make a podcast episode about someone that I didn't know. So I made a little short, like, because all I saw, and you probably didn't even hear because it was a long time ago. I didn't really, I didn't advertise or anything. I was just up late. And I was like, why do I feel sad about someone I don't even know? Hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, the the gist of it, like I called that episode, it was called a beautiful birth. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know if you've heard me talk about my views on death. Mm -mm. Uh, I think that I, I believe in the, the, the conservation or the law of the conservation of energy Mm -hmm. where energy can neither be created or destroyed. It just moves from one phase to another. And so I was like, when, when you're born, there's one way to go in. And then when you go, that's just another birth. That's just another thing. So I was like, God damn, all I'm hearing are these stories. And I feel like I know this person. Mm. I've seen her at a party once. I might've been white girl wasted at that party anyway <laughs> when I saw her. You know what I'm saying? This, like straight up, like I might've been. Cause I was like, oh, who's that light-skinned chick out there? Okay. You know, and then I see her, you know. So, um, and then uh, I just hear stories of the cool things that, She's done for people. And I was like, damn, why didn't we have her? I was talking to Chris, like, why didn't we have this person on our podcast? Like, what in the world? But like we also tell people, if you're going to listen to our stuff, you got to get you got to learn to get cool with a lot of shit, like real quick, because (laughs) we cuss like sailors. We talk about crazy topics and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm sorry. So you, you had that connection with her. She helped unlock a bunch of or helped you get towards unlocking a bunch of other stuff. What was that? What was that time like when you sort of found out not so much who you were, but who you weren't? What was that process like? It was like grieving. Damn. Because you get used to this person Mm -hmm. to the point that, you know, their ins and outs, you know, their motivations, you know, you might not be able to put words to it, Mm -hmm. but you know, that person really well. And then when you realize that it's all, bullshit mm-hmm. it's like losing somebody yeah man um somebody you're close to mm-hmm. really if you want to be truthful about it um so it was it was hard because it's also uh you get scared too 
because you're like, who the hell am I? Mm-hmm. Like, who am I? And I have a kid? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what and normally happened? when, during those times of self-discovery, it's the, the, if you want to call it accepted or the normal thing is that you're typically a kid and you have your parents or you have other support systems to help guide you and form who you are. But when you're in your thirties and this shit happens, you're just like, uh, what do I go and do? You start to question everything. You're like, is, is the person I'm married to, do do they even like me? Like, are they going to like this person, the friends that I have? And if, and that kind of explained that goes further into what I was talking about when I said that I kind of reacted Mm -hmm. to the whole world. It was like the only way to, to do this right, in my opinion, is sort of like a scorched earth policy. You know what I'm talking about? Scorched earth. So yeah, yeah, as I, as I retreat, I'm burning bridges, I'm severing ties and I'm just like, okay, I've got to retreat here. And I sort of hung back for a good, like good year, Mm -hmm. year and a half, try to like, I, I lay low, like I had a different circle of friends and it was it was so weird, like going back to that and being and seeing like, OK, who kind of accepts this person yeah. now? Did yeah. you have something like that as well? I, I know you're still kind of in that phase right now. Yeah. So it's been four years. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is I'd kind of already gone through that process mm-hmm. uh, when I met my husband. Like I. I've gone and <laughs> looked back and I was really shitty to a lot of people. Really? And, but it was because I think you guys talked about it once on one of your episodes. Is it coding where you're like, you're different? Oh, code switching. Code switching. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it was, I, it was like, I met, I met Jake and then I had to be a different person. Mm. And so when I made that switch, <laughs> I was like, Deuces, like really? nothing. I, I really, I really didn't say anything to anybody. Yeah. And um, I've gone back in the past four years, and most recently, um, on one of our mutual friends. Yeah. Uh, I apologized to her. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I messaged Kristen. Yeah. And I was like, good people. I was a bitch to you, and I'm really? sorry. And. And I told her I didn't want to give her any excuses. I just wanted it to be a wanted her to know that it was a heartfelt apology yeah. because I was a bitch yeah. and I, I was a bitch to a lot of people. Really? And but her, but it was her. I felt like I had to apologize to because she was a great friend in that time period for yeah. me. And so, I mean, but the past four years, I haven't been around those people. I haven't been around any of them. The people who I was concerned about was my husband, was mm-hmm. my parents um, how was that? The conversation with Jake was really kind of scary for me. Uh, and, and what's interesting, and it brought up a, some interesting conversation between the two of us during the Kavanaugh stuff, mm. because, you know, everyone's saying she's a hoe, she's you know, completely tearing yeah. that down. And I'd already gone through the process of, I'm like, I'm therapy. I'm on drug. I'm on meds. Yeah. I'm on, I'm doing all this stuff. And I even had that conversation before that all happened with Jake saying, listen, mm-hmm. this is what I'm, ex- this is what I'm discovering. Yep. This happened to me. And Damn. I was really worried he wasn't going to believe me. Is he going to be like oh, all those yeah. other crazy white men that like, no, no, this yeah. is, what do you mean? He raped you. Yeah. And, and amazingly, he was not that way. I mean, uh, he is my best friend and I, 
it made me appreciate that relationship even more. Yeah. Um, and does the Salumas need to beat this motherfucker's legs in? Like, <laughs> no. just, I'm not. I, we can mute the name. You can say it on here. <laughs> I'm down with hit list, homie. <laughs> I'm, I mean, anyone who ever saw his picture and I mean, I mean, any of the group would, was it the Nugs? Is that what oh, you guys shit, called each yeah, other? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I would show his picture and everyone thought he was an asshole. So even really? his picture. Wow. So, um, I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't want to see him, mm. but cause it causes me to react. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I am not in anywhere wanting, wishing him ill at all. Damn. I've come that far. Yeah. And I, I mean, he has kids now. He's been in three or four different marriages. One of the kids was conceived while we were together. Wow. Just crazy shit that Mm. you don't see in the midst of an emotionally and physically abusive relationship. Yeah. And but I can honestly tell you, I don't wish him any ill will. And so I won't share his name because I yeah. don't, there's no, there's no point in it. Okay. If you decide to, we'll beat his ass. Like, <laughs> someone get their that. legs beat in, dude. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> for real, man. That's, that's, that's so crazy. You know, it, it's, it's, it's tough hearing stuff like that as a, as a man, just because we definitely, you know, Chris and myself and Mark and, you know, the people that we, I feel like we associate with, we try to sort of hold other dudes accountable. Um, and we regularly call each other out when we're being pieces of shit. And, uh, it's, it's, there's no, at the end of the day, there's always going to be people that's going to fuck it up for us. You know, we did an episode on, uh, the, the Kavanaugh case, and we called that that episode is called Boys Will Be Boys because that was something that was said during that case. And, uh, you know, we were we talked about a, a ton of different things there, like when it comes to believing someone mm-hmm. uh, and, and truthfully, the importance of. Of being able to tell or at least creating an environment where you can tell and, and go and tell when something has happened Mm -hmm. like it it, obviously you get it you know it it probably becomes exponentially harder to to talk about it whenever it's been hidden for so long and some people like Kavanaugh whether or not he did that you have to see like some people even repress that kind of stuff yeah and that stuff like it's it's terrible for Unless the person knew what they were doing, then 100% fuck that person. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But at those weird moments, you're just like, holy shit. Like, it's it's just a tough, like, everyone's a victim. Yeah. Every single person involved is a victim. There's a system that's at play that makes you, that sort of devaluates or invalidates your your memory. Mm-hmm. It's so it's so shitty to, to be able to think about that kind of stuff, man. Um, so what is the road... To recovery been like for you? It's been hard, but it's been also been filled with good stuff too. Discoveries of strengths mm. of mine that maybe I had looked over in the process of 
you know, through college, um, through high school, you know, the way high schools are, they want you to follow a track and then you have to get ready for college. And then you have to, it's this cycle that you really don't have time to really discover what you want to do with your life. And so then you find yourself in your thirties with a shit ton of debt, trying to figure out who you are and kids (laughs) and have kids with it too. Um, that's part of the great stuff that's happened in the process too. Uh, the relationship with my husband mm-hmm. being deeper and talking about things and really being able to have hard conversations with him and know it's a safe space. Mm. Um, and for him to uh, raising our girls together, it's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my entire life and will continue to be. But it was also amazing. Yeah. And filled with joy is the only way to describe it for me and finding friends who accept me mm-hmm. accept the fact that I am a mess most of the time right now um, getting closer with my parents having conversations with my mom and my dad that I would never have had if I hadn't have gone through recovery at all were they were they because when you started off the story you were saying that they were just hardworking they weren't they weren't perfect. Why is there why is there healing needed right now with your parents? Um, mostly with my brother. Okay, uh, is he like the golden child or something like that? And so he he left school, high school, and his sophomore year to go yeah. to college. Okay, boy genius. God, he's one of the ones uh, before Gatton Academy was cr- created. Yeah. He was quoted in their brochure for money raising and yeah. fundraising. Yeah, because he was one of the kids that they had in mind to yeah. help when they decided to create the Gatton Academy. So you, as, as the sister, you were, you probably felt like you took the ultimate L. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, Cause man. I was Tony's sister. I wasn't yeah. Megan. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that was with kids my in my own class, yeah. my age. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, man, fuck him, man. <laughs> he still wants the bed, dude. Like, why do you guys think he's cool? <laughs> uh, and I think that's why I went after music and things that he didn't do because it was different. And is that what you actually wanted to do, though? I did. I went to school for music. Yeah. Music performance. Uh, I don't suck. Yeah. Uh, you know this. Yeah. I know. I, know it. <laughs> I sing at the Derby Bar uh, on, Sat- you know, once or twice a month. And uh, I enjoy it. I'm good at it. Yeah. But it's too subjective. It's I'm not, good at technology, but that's not my passion. Yeah, exactly. You know? I love working with kids. Yeah. And I've, that's the other part of the four years, right? Like that I've discovered this passion that I had in the beginning before, before I met him, before I got into the Baptist church, which was shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've discovered, rediscovered this passion to work with kids. Uh, I love it. They, they teach you things that you can't learn from other adults and they are a lot more honest and will call you out on your bullshit. Kids Kids are pretty amazing. You know, it's the the interesting thing with kids and something along the lines happens to us where it's like kids have this like unfiltered desire for knowledge Mm -hmm. and somewhere along the lines, we just lose that. And it, and it becomes like a weird thing to ask questions like it shouldn't be a novelty thing that I do this podcast. Like yeah. this shit should be happening like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like a kid would ask like, why do you want to kill yourself? Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Whereas people be like, man, Megan's fucked up. Like, oh, what's her deal, bro? Like, she's a little crazy, but no one wants to address those type of things. Where do you think, where do you think that happened? Like, what went wrong with all of us? For me, it was listening to some of the churches. Because around mm. here, it's, you have to be a part of a church it's blasphemy to say you didn't grow up in the church, yeah. which is where I usually feel. We weren't raised in the church. Mm-hmm. My mom and my dad had gotten burned out by several different denominations and they were like, fuck that. Yeah. We can teach you about the Bible and about God and yeah. you can ask questions and you can make up your own mind. Mm-hmm. And that's how I was raised. So I, I went into school and I went into looking at religion with a shit ton of questions. Yeah. And I was encouraged to ask them. Yeah. No, no such thing as a stupid question. Uh, but when you think you found your niche or you found a church or you found a community, if you want to go out that, that route, um, they somewhere along the line, I it's like someone in power. If you asking questions is is questioning their power, questioning mm. their leadership. They they take it. You pissed as, a dude off, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. <laughs> Two dudes actually. Like, yeah, it sounds, like you, it sounds like you pissed a guy off. <laughs> I blamed it on God uh, for a long time, but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it had to do with white men, old yeah. white men. Yeah, that's what it came down to. Hmm. And so to find myself at Broadway, <laughs> tell me you went to a black church. Tell, I, I did, and I loved it. <laughs> You're like, we ate so much food. <laughs> oh, but I was all about the music. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, the, the music's fire. The music is fire, man. Uh, that's on my bucket list is to be a part of a gospel choir. I'm oh, probably bro. the only white chick, but I don't oh, care. <laughs> you'd, be a, you'd be a novelty item in a black church. We, um, one of my, so I coach youth football and, um, one of my players invited all the coaches to his baptism and, uh, None of us are religious or anything like that, but I was like, this shit's going to be a good time, guys. For real. <laughs> you got to check go. this out. So it was like this Pentecostal church and it was fucking lit. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so, so, so fun. The music was great. People were wilding out. And I was just like, hell yeah, man, this is like, this is what it's about. This is funny. But, uh, you know, I think that church burns a lot of people out. Um and at it, the hardest thing, and I, I grew up in the church. My dad was a was a preacher. Um, the hardest thing is sort of a accepting the fact that no one else in that place answers for you. Mm. Like and then when you realize that no one else answers for you, it makes it easier to see everything for what it is and kind of separate yourself. And at that point, you can make the choice of either like. Still hanging with them under like knowing that like <clears throat> y'all are going to fuck up or yeah. something's going to something's going to go down here or, you know, we're not we're not at the end of the day. If you believe in whatever, like some when you're up getting judged or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. No, none of those motherfuckers are, are going to be able to answer for you. Yeah. No matter how great they were. Adam's not going to say, well, well, I I can vouch for her, you know, (laughs) it doesn't work that way. way. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that when you if you can, if you are able to separate yourself from it and have that kind of mindset, it makes it easier to go in there and, you know, get whatever message that you want out of it. And so you had said, you know, the church has burned you out. 
Did you go through a phase where you just wanted nothing to do with churches at all? What was yeah. that period like? You're like, it was fun as fuck, <laughs> it wasn't was. it? It was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's so funny. I look back on that. That was maybe two or three years. I look back on that two or three years, and I don't know how... And that's when I met you, by the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know how. Yeah, don't worry. I didn't. I was like, this is church, Megan? <laughs> no. Uh... Fuck out of here, man. What is this? <laughs> I don't know how, like, bad shit didn't happen to me. Yeah. I mean, I did drugs. I yeah. drank. I partied. I slept with other guys. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I look back and I did really stupid shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky that I didn't, you know, get kidnapped or something nowadays it seems so i like to think that that our group uh was even though we engaged in tons of douchebaggery to one another and we were absolutely stupid well yeah but like i'd like to think that we and god i hope that the person you're talking about is not anyone that we're affiliated with No, no okay good but i like to think that we all kind of like took care of each other like it wasn't one of those things like we wouldn't there was no taking advantage or something like that you know what yeah, I'm saying? no uh uh-uh. you you guys were as an outsider yeah. coming in you guys were cool like yeah. you were safe yeah, space yeah, yeah i knew that i could go out be Whoever. A dumb shit. Yeah, yeah. And still be okay and know yeah, somebody man. had my back. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's no. A, if anything, so if anything, I met and realized that there are still good people on this earth. Yeah. Oh, that's because funny. <laughs> because I didn't I didn't find that in yeah. my experience with the church in the beginning. Really? Yeah. So all right, what is it that brought you back to it? Uh, <laughs> I needed a job. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I. All right. So I went through all that time. Right. I I met Jake mm-hmm. at Tidballs mm-hmm. uh, and just hung out with him and hung out with his friends, made new friends and decided that music wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. The economy had gone down the shitter. I wasn't getting a job anywhere. I had a had an in with Disney at one point, but I couldn't get down there to do all the auditions. So I do remember seeing that on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I worked for Barnes and Noble at all through that time yeah. and I couldn't, because the economy went under, they yeah. couldn't give me a transfer to mm-hmm. get down there so that I could work and audition at the same time to pursue the music aspect. So I, I was like, well, I got to go back to school. I have to get a job. Mm-hmm. Retail isn't cutting it. And I kept getting passed over for uh, management positions. So I was like, I'll just go back to school. So I went and uh, did elementary education. Mm-hmm. And it it really kind of changed the direction of everything. Really? I got my degree. I had my teaching certificate, getting tons of interviews. And I kept getting told I was overqualified. Now, why would you tell somebody that they're overqualified to teach our children? Yeah, that's because you know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's it's the stupidest concept I've ever heard in my entire life to see that that employers do that. Like, I get that they're like covering their ass, but like why they're covering their ass in the sense that they feel that you're going to leave or something like that. But I would rather go through like 10 really high achieving people then get one like scrub. Now that's not to discount the people that have just come out of college. Sure. But there's levels to this shit. And if you're going to get someone that's high achieving, that's, that's done all the work that has all the credentials, hire that person and then take care of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, I mean, like. But that, that concept is completely foreign. Yeah, completely foreign. <laughs> so the church, they they take you in yeah. to, to work for them. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't know who you hung out with or anything like no, that. Uh-uh. <laughs> so no. You're, they were like, what do you do in your off time? You're like, I just pray. You know what I mean? I, I drink Broadway coffee didn't and care. pray. <laughs> no, that, that was the great thing is that yeah. Broadway didn't care. Yeah. Uh, I had actually sang with Broadway with the choir because I knew the choir, different choir directors. They, um, so they knew that I could sing and could help in that regard. Yeah. They looked at my teaching portfolio and saw a publication, mm-hmm. not a teaching portfolio, and hired me on as communications, which is has nothing to do with anything that I really do because yeah. um, it's mostly graphic design work. I They had somebody freelancing teach me how to use the Adobe yeah. Creative Suite. I started using a Mac and... I've been doing this now for. What six was it years. like feeling like you're better than everyone? Because like I, I like the superiority of a Mac. I'm, you know, <laughs> use my iPhones. I see Android people. I was like, is your credit like? Do you need a couple bucks, bro? Like, are you poor? I give people I'm such shit. A dick. I give I'm people shit all the time yeah. though about that. Uh, we have the one of our tech guys that comes in to help with our server yeah. at work. He is a um, Macintosh guy, like yeah. through and through and through, and um, so. We we just go back and forth. Yeah, creatives, the creatives at church use Macs. Yeah, just through and through. Exactly, so, man. That's how it should be. Yeah. But all right. So through this whole thing, you're you're on the journey of finding your fucking thing. Mm-hmm. What do you think that that even looks like? You said you're not there. No, I'm not there. What do you think that it looks like? Like, what's your end goal? Well, I mean, don't give me some shit like I just want to be happy. No, I'm not giving you that. <laughs> okay. um, I mean, I, being happy is overrated. There uh, go. <laughs> I really do think I would like to do something with children's ministry. Okay. And that's recently become a thing for me the past couple of weeks. Um, so I've looked at look back on that when I wanted to do that, when I was told being a woman, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in a church and in a community that actually supports women in leadership. And I, I see myself being a part of community and helping with the kids. I'm, I I cannot see myself as a lone ranger. I don't function that way. I function in a community. I function well when I have other people around me, because if I'm by myself, I'm in my head and it's, Gonna just go down the shitter. So, okay. So you're you're talking about being by yourself. You don't want to be by yourself, but you're still wrestling with this backstage and front stage yeah. kind of Megan. Mm-hmm. How are you going to ever be okay with backstage Megan if you're if everything is going on through the church? Are they helping you process all that stuff too mm-hmm. while you're doing stuff with the kids? Is that kind of where it? So I'm not doing anything with kids yet. Okay. Uh, I just recently said, listen, I would like to go in this direction. Gotcha. They're very, they're very supportive. I'm going to start volunteering, doing that kind of stuff. But the part is, the part of it is, if we're really going to look at the backstage, French stage stuff. Yeah. I'm in. They've helped me. They pay for part of our therapy, like yeah. for staff. It's with yeah. our benefits, right? So learning that to be the backstage and the front stage, yeah. like. The front stage is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Let's be the backstage yeah. all the time. Yeah. It, and it's tough because not everyone can can take that kind of stuff, can take you saying, 
or what we call being being the hero in your in your life story, like saying no when you don't want to do some shit, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's the funniest thing. People think I'm joking when when they'll ask, like, hey, do you want to go do something? I'm like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, why? And it's like. This is who I am today, man. I don't give a fuck about this topic at all. I just I just don't care. Um, it's tough because we do spend so much of our energy and so much of our time kind of performing for people. Um, and it's tough finding a safe spot where you can go and essentially be be yourself. Um, and people talk so much about being themselves, but they don't know who they they don't know who they are. Sure. And like you, like we were talking about earlier that moment when you discover who you aren't and you see the the harshest potentialities of yourself it's it's very hard to want to fix that yeah or not even fix it to just accept it Mm -hmm. because you're like there's no way that i could be thinking like this there's no way that i could have these kind of thoughts i've grown up this way how how is this going to happen and we don't have enough people saying Hey man, it's okay. I feel this way too. Yeah. Like, trust me, I've wanted to drive into this or I want to do something like that. And it's, um, and when you see people that actually go through like my, my friend, my friend, Kyle, who, who we say after we had an episode with a therapist on and, and she said that if you go through with suicide, you complete suicide. Yeah. And so I have a friend that completed suicide and it's, when I look at it and think about it, I almost like there's a little bit of envy mm-hmm. because at least he did something 100% for himself. And I know that mental illness is a thing, but there's people that claim don't have that may not have a mental illness that can't do a goddamn thing for themselves. They can't follow through with anything mm-hmm. They 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 have. All they have a list of all these things that they're gonna do, mm. and I, I even I, I made a short little episode last night, and I, and I said uh, I published it this morning, but the thing I said in there was "fuck your gonna," like everyone yeah. has a gonna, yeah, and it's like for someone to follow through like that, it's like damn, dude. I, I only look at it. I'm just like, I, I hate that he's gone, but yeah, but at least he followed through with some shit. Mm-hmm. A lot of us can't even do it. Mm. And, and it's, it's a tough way to think about it like that, but that's where a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. We stay stuck in neutral. We stay at the same position at our, you know, whatever job we'll stay in whatever relationship that doesn't fulfill us because we're performing for a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. We say inside of our head, Oh, I'm going to make this better. I'm going to do right by blah, blah, blah. And it just never happens, never happens. So my question to you was, is what were the roadblocks that were keeping you from setting yourself on this new journey? I think lying to myself about the relationships I was in. Yeah. Being, is this relationship good for me? Is this relationship good for the other person? No. Yeah. So recognizing that the relationships I am in now, whether that be friendships, coworkers, they are relationships that are real. They're not going to come in and say, how are you doing today? And no one really cares. No one really cares when you ask that question. No, I have people in my life, Mm -hmm. relationships in my life that they won't, they will call me out on my bullshit. If I say Mm -hmm. I'm fine, they're like, you're not fine. Yeah. It's like, stop it. Stop. Yeah. Seriously. How are you? Yeah. And 
And it's funny, we've had this conversation on staff at the church, this recovery mindset, Mm -hmm. the environment that is on Sunday nights there, it's starting to permeate through the church. And I think that that's one of the differences between Broadway specifically and and the other churches I've been in Mm -hmm. is that is that mindset of you can be you warts and all. Yeah. We know your we know your story. We know your shit. It's okay. Yeah. We're still there. Mm -hmm. We still have we can call out when we're going through grief. We've lost three people in the matter of a year and a half from our staff. Mm -hmm. Amazing people who saw you for what you were. Yeah. And wouldn't let you lie to yourself. It's that's a huge thing for me right there, man. I I tell people like I can take being lied to. Mm-hmm. I'm a very I, I'm a very attentive person. Mm-hmm. Like, but if I can see that you're lying to yourself, mm-hmm. nothing sets me off more. Yeah. I've straight ended relationships because of someone's lying to themselves. Like you, this isn't you, man, yeah, but yeah. I'm not, you aren't going to drag my ass down yeah, for it. Yeah. And I've seen so many people that this isn't just relationships. Like I said, this is friendships. These are people that I see out in the public that they're living their lives, just lying, man. Just lie. And you cannot bury it enough. Obviously, you've learned that you can't bury stuff. No. It always comes back. And and the toughest thing, because we humans are so communal, if that's the term, we want someone not not so much to we want someone down there in the dumps with us. Mm. And that's super destructive. Mm. It's super, super destructive. It's easier to say like, hey, I'm going through some shit like I'm this isn't who I am rather than you being at that very bottom. And you're just like pulling other people down to your level because, man, those people can drain you. Really bucket of crabs. Huh? Bucket of crabs. Yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> bucket of straight up bucket of crabs. It's 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 tough seeing that kind of shit, man. Um, but I'm glad that you're on this that you're on this path. Um, and I know that you're going to, if, if your path is to be able to work with kids, my hope is that you can help break the cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is, there is a terrible cycle of people that, that don't know how to express, express emotion, don't know how to be wrong. Don't know how to take an L don't know how to fail, fall on their face. And I think you're, your story. Like, I hope that it's something that you can comfortably tell people like kids are getting way more um, aware at a much earlier age. And in the age of the Internet, like we we equated on our podcast to giving a a chimpanzee a machine gun. (laughs) Like it's it's that much power and that much knowledge. And to the point where it's like you can give them a fact and they'll fact check you. They'll Google it. And, you know, so mama doesn't know best. Google always does. But there's certain types of experiences that no Internet search is going to help you understand. That's the hardest part about being a mom. Yeah. So you've gone through this, right? Mm. And then you have two kids and you're trying to help them find vocabulary to describe their emotions. But then also giving them a safe space to experience those Mm -hmm. emotions. That's one of the hardest things for me and my husband. But we have a safe we have a spot. Mm-hmm. Where she goes 
when she's upset, specifically my my oldest. Yeah. Uh, not my nine month old. Yeah. It's, it's like baby's crying. It's like he knows where to go. Jesus. But my four year old, she she has a place that she can go. She yeah. can experience her emotions. She can be pissed off. Yeah. She can be sad. But then we go and we have a conversation as a family. We talk mm-hmm. about it. Why Why were you crying? Yeah. Why are you sad? Trying to give her words. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister-in-law has actually been really great about doing that, too. She's a stay-at-home mom of three. But uh, her experience. Lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I would rather be a working mom, if I'm going to be honest. No, but, I, but, yeah, you're right. People don't. I think that that's, as, as especially in our age group, we don't have words to describe our emotions. We don't have any way to describe what we're going through in our head. Yep. And that's a huge roadblock for yeah. a lot of people. You know, I think the one thing that that I've observed, you know, and I'm it's even a different dynamic for me being a step parent is, you know, and I've I've known my stepdaughter since she was she was three. But I've I've been in her life since she was maybe eight or nine, like really been in her life since she was eight or nine. And uh, so, yeah, I'd say 2013. So, yeah, she's 14 now. She'll turn 15 this year anyway. But it is a it's a tough job because we're all here trying to respond or react to our parents Mm -hmm. and where we're trying to be the people that our parents weren't mm. uh, and we're trying to take some of the good things that they had, that they did give us. And it's like that. And I, I think I told this to Liz. It's like that quote says, we try so hard not to die that we forget how to live. <laughs> you forget like, Hey man, that you're human too, that you're going to yeah. go through some stuff and you're trying to be the perfect parent and you're trying to be great and all this stuff. And like so often we just miss the mark. And there's a certain age for them where, like, they just have to, they'll just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I am i am not good at emotionally connecting with, with my kid. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. I'm very logical. Mm-hmm. Now, if she needs a problem solved, mm-hmm. that's, that's my thing. But I also give her all the freedom in the world to express whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And when I try to be like, oh. What's, you know, what's the matter? Like, I just, I look like a robot. Just like, <laughs> why are cry? <laughs> why am sad? <laughs> so it's like, give me a fucking math problem, yeah. kid. I got you. <laughs> like, you know, but it's, it's one of those things like for me, when, when I recognize that that's something that I've, that I'm still trying to learn to do. All I can do is, and this is for any parent who gets it, I I know you get it, is to just be available. Mm. That's it. Like, just that alone is more than enough for for a lot of these kids. They're going to figure out the world, but if they know that you're available. Mm. (sighs) And that there's nothing that they can do to change that. Yeah, there's nothing they can do to change it. Yeah. Yeah. I I always say that uh, I want to raise a kid that doesn't need me Mm. like that's that's the biggest thing for me and i feel like my parents did a did a good job and i think also one of the one of the stories there whenever uh when i was going through the 
the period of discovery when mm. I was kind of burning all the bridges and stuff like that. A bridge that I burned was one with my parents. Mm. I went through a phase, maybe like it was a couple months where I didn't. It was probably from like around Easter till close to Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. Where I just didn't call, didn't mm-hmm. talk to them, didn't do anything, talk to my sisters, anything like that. And and part of that, and, and I've told the story multiple times, is that like. I spent just like you, there was this label where I was the doctor's or the or the reverend's mm. son. Yeah. You're Dr. Njaka's son. Mm. You know, you're you're all these other things, but what I actually was. Yeah. And and I remember like when my dad finally called and said, Hey, come and talk. And I was just like, All right, whatever. So I go to his office and he's like why haven't we spoken? What was going on? And I said, I'm, you know, I'm tired of living in your shadow. I'm tired of, I want to do my own stuff. Uh, I've got all this other stuff going on. And, and I remember him like laughing and I was like, (laughs) this is fucking why, you know? And, and and he was just like, son, I I did not raise you to be like me. I raised you to be better. Mm. I put you through, I was hard on you because I wanted you to not make the mistakes that I that I made. I, I exposed you to and we grew up very poor. Mm. So I exposed you to like you like you've heard me say before, seeing the the repo man take our car. I exposed you to that. So you understand to take care of your money mm. and you understand to budget and to do all this other stuff like it's and when you when you look back and you see those lessons, you're like, fuck, that's that's all we're all trying to do. We just want our kids to be better. And our methods are far are never going to be conventional. Yeah. There's no there's no blueprint. <laughs> like people say there's parenting books. I'm like, get that shit out of here. Yes, agreed. <laughs> they, there's no rule or whatever. You just have to you just have to make them better than you. That's all it is. And a lot of parents don't want to do that. And Mm. they think that being better than them means like being prettier than them or being all this other things. And and you see that when if there is an insecure parent that has problems with their looks and all this other stuff, they'll try to make their kid the prettiest person Mm -hmm. on the planet. If there was a parent that you know, might have sucked at sports or that wasn't their thing. They'll make sure their kid is the best football player. They'll talk up, talk them up. And I see that shit in youth coaching. I'm like, bro, your son still wets the bed. Like (laughs) you think that he's going to run a post route. You think that this fucking kid here is going to throw the ball to him. Like, bro, it does not work like that. And so it's, um, there's, you can really tell what parents are going through by how they, raise their kids. And, uh, there's some parents that, that like feel that their early twenties was just like, um, sort of repressed, if you will. Like there was, it was really conservative. Like they didn't get to do anything. So now they just want to party all the time with their kids. Like they just want to be the cool, like <laughs> you're shaking your head. You're just like, yeah, but you, there's, you, you can really tell what people are going through uh, or what people have gone through by how they sort of project that to their kids. And you see later on, the kids start to deal with damage that was done from their parents. Mm. And it's, it's the hardest thing to work with. And when, when that kind of stuff happens as well, 
you don't know how to. And I'm sure you dealt with this when you're trying to figure out who you were. You didn't you probably lost awareness of what there is to love about you. Yes. You probably lost fell out of love with Megan. And when that happens, you know, and I talked about this on the episode with Terry, when you don't when you can't love yourself, other people are going to struggle figuring out what there is to love about you. Mm -hmm. And so I would. I my question is like, was that something that your husband struggled with when you're going through all these things or was it was he kind of just, did he keep it 100 was just like, no, babe, I, I love you no matter what. He probably said that. But he goes to our men, our, the spot for men is the, is the shitter. Like, so like, does he does he take 55 minute shits like or he sits on the phone? Does, he does. Doesn't I joke. He? I joke with my friend, my mom friends, and uh, they the joke is that men always know when to go take a shit because the kid has to have a diaper change, yep. you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but if I'm going to be honest, my husband does a lot. Yeah. Um, and took a lot from me yeah. in the period of trying to work through all that stuff. That's awesome. And I mean, yeah, he did have the one liners of, I love you no matter what, yeah. you know, total bullshit. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't call it bullshit, but <laughs> no, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, this bitch better get her shit together. Man. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, he also, he also knew he's very receptive. He's very observing and recognized when he needed to speak out mm. something about myself. Yeah. Knowing that I was tearing myself down. And a big part of it, and our, my therapist, uh, I'll give her credit for that, for this idea. But the idea is if you start giving yourself really bad dialogue in your head, mm -hmm. like you're tearing yourself down. Oh, man, like this outfit's disgust. Like I look mm -hmm. disgusting. I'm fat. I can point out all the rolls yeah. and wrinkles and gray hairs and yeah. whatnot. I would force myself to speak it out loud. And he to him. Yeah. And he would. Be He's like, like, you better shut your ass up. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Why are you being a bitch to yeah. my wife? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen very often, but yeah. he will, he will man up and yeah. he will say that to me. He will do those things. And I, it's so funny to look back on my life and look at the relationships I've had with, uh, with other guys and be like, this was, is completely, this was completely what I needed. Yeah. And this is exactly what I want the rest as long as we can be together I'll, mm -hmm. this is what I want and this yeah. is what I'm going to work towards this being healthy man because our girls also need to see this yeah, and I'm so so glad that I have a man like my husband for them to look up to and go this is what we need yeah. when we get to that point yeah yeah it's uh it's it's crazy like I sit there and and I think of moments like that for me I uh because I am not my level of emotional support is just not like it's I, I think that it's pretty decent, but I know that it's it's more like <laughs> pragmatic, sort of like robotic. But I mean, well, mm -hmm. you know, and so I try to um, everything for me has to come with a solution. You know, one of the things I was taught was like. Don't come to me with a problem unless you have a proposed solution <laughs> to fix it. You know, so, if, you know, so if, if my wife or someone would say something, I'd be like, well, just go work out or go try this. And so I realized that that's not the way to properly support someone. And and I spoke about this also with my toxic positivity episode that I did. 
and like sad, like happiness and positivity are two very different things. Mm -hmm. One is a mindset. The other is an emotion. Mm -hmm. And we fall into the trap of like using the two interchangeably. Mm. And so I would attack like her negative emotions with positive mindset instead of just letting her feel Mm -hmm. her negative emotions. Yeah. And then we work together on trying to solve a Mm -hmm. problem. And when too much of the positive uh, emotions or, or positive mindset and stuff like that, that can get into that can become dangerous for me mm-hmm. because you again you lose sight of what what people are feeling mm-hmm. you also lose sight of what you are feeling yeah and so i tend to just sort of give her her space and then it's like hey i'm here if you want to talk about anything mm-hmm. but also she now has like an outlet where she has her thing you know mm-hmm. she'll blog or she'll cook mm-hmm. so one of the things that she's she's working on this is going to be my plug she, she's going to owe me money for this shit <laughs> is you know she's working on a um like a blog and recipe thing it's called all recipes okay. so you know all recipes yeah. like so yeah. when when she gets stressed she cooks and I'm, you know, so the other day we had some fucking fire cinnamon rolls. And I'm sitting here eating like, I hate that she's having a shitty time right now. But goddamn, these are so good. It's like tearfully like rolling this thing. You know but, uh, it's like it's uh, it's it's good to have some kind of an avenue there. But it is it is tough. And, and you you're doing it right if you have someone that's aware of of how they can help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's definitely something that I'm I'm trying to navigate my way through. So we've talked about finding your finding your fucking thing. And we've talked about vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a word that you can call it? Is there is there something that you can label this thing that it is? My Whatever. fucking thing? Yeah. I don't have a label yet. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I don't have a label yet, but I think it's because so we call it Megan. <laughs> but you know what? what? It's OK. Yeah. It doesn't need a label. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's me being logical. It's like one plus one must equal two. Have you seen that video of the couple? Mm-mm. And you it comes in from the back. So you see them sitting on a couch mm-hmm. and you hear the woman, the wife talking. I just have this this problem. I can't. I can't. I can't put a word to it. And you see the husband just looking at her, uh-huh. like staring at her yeah. a little too much. Like, yeah. okay, what's going on here? And they pan around to the front. She's got this huge ass nail in the forehead. <laughs> She's, it's like, I can't, I can't explain it. My sweaters just keep getting snagged. Yeah. And it's just really stupid, yeah. but hilarious. Yeah. He's like, you have a nail in your head. She's, you're not listening. Yeah. And it's man. the exact it, That's the dynamic. Everyday dynamic of a relationship. Yeah. And a man just wanting to fix it yeah. and the woman just needing to feel yeah. the oh, huge man. ass nail in her yeah. forehead. And that's why, that's why, like, one of the things that uh, uh, one of our, po- our past guests, Dr. Die, she had said, like, men need other men and, and women need each other to feel mm-hmm. to, you know, she, she says that her and her husband have this, uh, have different tattoos on them. Mm-hmm. Hers says inhale, his says exhale. Mm-hmm. And she says, because men, we project how we feel out and women take in mm-hmm. whatever they're feeling something. So sometimes it's better whenever women are around each other to really feel 
and grieve together or try and solve some stuff together. But mm-hmm. for guys, like we have to go and like let it out on each other. <laughs> and, and like we um, like one of my my best, my favorite episodes was um, and and if you haven't heard it, it, it's it's funny because we talk about relationships. It's just four guys. And uh, that episode is called Love Rhymes with Hideous Car Wreck. And I uh, saw that one and downloaded yeah, it. I haven't listened to it's, it yet. Uh, like it's about 20 minutes of, of us guys like being just cheese dicks. You know what I'm saying? The entire time. <laughs> but like that's how guys navigate our way through talking about relationships. It goes from like hilarity to like we're talking serious stuff and weaving in the hilarity in there. It's one of our funniest episodes. And, but like we're, we're laughing at each other, talking about crying about stuff, you know, and <laughs> it's it was. And then there was one thing that I said and that I was talking about, like whenever I saw uh, whenever I would see an ex with their their new guy, <laughs> I'd be like, Dude's fucking weak. You know what? Like, there's, there's thought that would go through my head. Just like, looks like he's got a 400 credit score. Get the fuck out of here. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have all these different thoughts. Or like, that's how my mind works. And, you know, Chris was talking about like how a song would make him just like, this is our life. This is like, this is how it is for us. You know, and one of my other guys talked about how he can't go and he can't go get pedicures anymore. That's what they did together. I talked about how I can't watch The Walking Dead anymore. So I was like, fuck Rick, man. That whole show sucks. Because like, I knew that that's what they liked. You know what I'm so like guys go through that stuff. But we but like the way that we sort of interpret that stuff and the way that we talk about it is going to be completely different. So my thing to you is I'm glad that you have a circle. I'm glad that you have people that you can really talk to and be yourself around. I'm glad that you have your husband who is able to just navigate through stuff and say, hey, don't talk to my don't talk to my lady like that. I'm beat your ass. You talk, you know. That's uh, I'd, I'd love to see what it's like coming from his dynamic at some point. Um, I think that a lot of people don't realize what kind of effect that has on on other people like we did an addiction episode and uh we had obviously the addict talk on there but then we did another one where his wife came on oh wow and she talked about what it was like and i don't think enough people like talk about that that side i Mm -hmm. think there's definitely another side so it would be interesting just seeing with all the stuff that you've gone through, seeing how that affects other people. Mm-hmm. And when, especially when you're going through some shit, it's it's like it's like chemicals and stuff like you can you can affect an entire room. Mm-hmm. The, the you know, I make the analogy on a, a long time ago about how, like, obviously everything is chemicals, but who you are you can walk into a room and change the chemical makeup of Mm -hmm. everything in there. If you're feeling some shit and if you're not driving right with the energy in there. So that's why I always say like, you make sure that you have a good circle because they need to be as malleable. You know what I'm saying? Everyone needs to be malleable to like roll with each other's changes and stuff like that. I think you're on the path, man. You, you totally are. And I'm, I hope that other people, are able to to hear this episode and really really feel what's going on and understand that you're not you're not alone. We've talked about rape, suicide, depression, yeah, having kids, yeah. Having, having a marriage, <laughs> job loss. There's so much that we just don't talk about, man. And, and and I'm very thankful that you were able to come on and and sit and chat with me. 
Are there any questions that you were prepared to answer that I, that I never asked? Uh-uh, no. None? Oh, other than uh, shameless shout-outs. Oh, you know we're doing that next. <laughs> you already know we're That's doing the only that thing next. I was prepped for. <laughs> Who are your shameless shout-outs? Well, actually, uh, so starting today, we have a team of 11 ladies, including myself, yeah. uh, for Barron River Area's uh, Child Advocacy Center. They do the Over the Edge. Where... I saw your post and you know what's funny because I'm seven years old. When I saw the acronym, I go, <laughs> and it, I love saying that. B R A C A C. But I think uh, Liz was on your show. Yeah, and she she's, was. she's on the team as oh, well. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and uh, several ladies from our church. Okay. We're. Uh, just trying to raise money for the organization. They do amazing things for mm -hmm. uh, providing support for children that um, have experienced sexual abuse. That's and cool. so uh, this is a new thing for me. I've never done that, but we're going to try to do some fun fundraising. Um, and if we get $11,000, we all 11 of us will have a chance to go over the edge and rappel down. What the is building. it? Shit. <laughs> There's no black people on that team, are there? <laughs> There are none. No. Bunch of crazy white women that are just like, we're going to go repel. I mean, there's so many other things to do. Why people want to go repel off some shit. All right, you guys can have it. Well, it started with a friend of mine. She, uh, all last year, she decided that she wanted to face her fears. And yeah. she has this huge, numbing fear of heights. Really? And so she, like, made herself do a bunch of crazy shit last year really? and one of the things was going over the edge so she did that last year she went on a little plane out of the bowling green airport yeah. i mean did she skydive no she did not i don't think she'd yeah. be able to do that sorry oh jackie <laughs> but uh yeah so we're uh calling ourselves uh iron women iron women that's so, cool yeah what would my big fear be huh. <laughs> i don't know man I need to think about that. I know that there's some like, if I raise a bunch of money, I'm gonna, I don't know what I'll do. I might go to a Trump rally. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I think I'll do. I think that's gonna be my thing that I, yeah, I'm gonna go to a Trump rally. That's let it be known. If we raise $11,000, your boy's going to a Trump rally. I'm gonna try not to get shot out there. I'll, I'll uh, drive the escape car. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, I appreciate you all taking the time to listen to this episode. You guys know where to follow us. That's at the Salumas on Instagram or at the Salumas podcast on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, www.thesalumas.com. Jesus Christ, I'm fucking it all up. That's our <laughs> website. But uh, go to our website at www.thesalumas.com. Hit us up on Facebook. Just type the Salumas podcast. You'll see our information there. If you have a story or if you know of someone with a story worth telling, please reach out hit me up and we'd love to be able to put that person through the grinder and hopefully make some content that I think is going to really resonate with all of our listeners. So thank you all for your time and attention. Whoop all the ass this week and we will see you next time.